So what was the actor's name? <laughs> this is going to be the worst to edit. Queer Icons, where we cover and discuss an important figure to the LGBT plus community, and we give our thoughts on why they resonate with us in our queer communities. Hey, Nico, how are you doing this week? I'm great. Um, currently enjoying the donut holes you brought me for breakfast. <laughs> you aren't supposed to tell people that. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this is the best gift anyone has ever given me. I need a little sugar and caffeine kick this morning. I was feeling a little sluggish. Yeah, I was feeling a little slug. Maybe it's the hot weather. Probably. Like Atlanta this past week. It's only 120 week. billion degrees. Been- <laughs> yes. I barely was outside yesterday. It was mostly, like, for work. And I didn't stay out for more, like, than five minutes at a time. The sweat that I produced was ridiculous. The and I have to wear jeans at work, so it was a struggle. Even at night when I walked out, I I, fe- I felt like my jeans were like sprayed on me. It was so gross, and yeah, I'm glad that I'm giving everyone this visual. <laughs> yes, of course. Yeah, I do deliveries for mm-hmm. the apps that you order food from, and when I'm waiting to receive a good order to take or anything, I will generally sit in my car with the car turned off because of gas prices these days. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it's been next to impossible. If I don't get anything within two or three minutes, I have to turn that car back on. No, it's very understandable. With Um, the AC and everything. This hot weather is like borderline homophobic. (laughs) (laughs) Right in June? In June, exactly. (laughs) Well, we were just at a friend's birthday party this past uh, Sunday, and the venue has the best name ever that he chose. It's Sister Louise's Church of the Living Room and Ping Pong Emporium. Yes, I love it. It's been open for a little while now. I remember going um, back in the day when it first opened, mm-hmm. when I was a young gay man. When you were a young gay <laughs> Yeah, it was one and, of the first Atlanta venues that I went to. Is oh, really going out? Yeah, yeah, it's fun. And on Sundays they are really queer. I don't know about other mm-hmm. days. I think they're they're at least friendly all the time. But yeah, they are they just featuring have a... Deep South, which is a queer DJ collective here in Atlanta. And as always, they do an incredible job. But they have a lovely patio. But it was so hot <laughs> to be outside and <laughs> dance to this amazing music. I constantly had to take breaks to go back inside because I was like, oh, I'm ver- I'm wearing such a cute outfit, but... Yes, I do appreciate, <laughs> though, lately when I've been going to bars, and Sister Louise's is one of the ones that did it, they have the big containers of water for you to just get at your convenience instead of having to go up to the bar yes, and ask did. for water. I, I noticed so, that, yes. Yeah. I was very appreciative. Right. Of that. I'm like, oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Atlanta needs it. <laughs> yes. I would probably stay a little bit more sober if all the bars had that, you know? Like, oh, I can just get a little cup of water in the meantime. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did not <laughs> notice it until the last 30 minutes that I was there. <laughs> I just kept <laughs> hydrating myself with beers. <laughs> oh my gosh. But, you know, 
It was, uh, it's a local brewery, so it was supporting local. Right. <laughs> you have to. You have that to. was my excuse. So you mentioned that this was a birthday party that you and I were both at. Mm-hmm. We've been doing all of our queer stuff together. <laughs> we really have <laughs> this last few episodes. <laughs> all of our stuff. But it was a joint birthday party with mm-hmm. um, one of our close friends and, and one of his friends. And this is the third or fourth one I've been to this year that's been joint birthday parties. And I don't know if the straights yeah, do this. my birthday party was joint. Yes, yours was joint. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one we went to two weeks ago was a joint birthday party. Correct. This yeah. one was a joint birthday party. I'm like, what's good? Like, yeah. is that the gays are just like, you know what? We're going to we're going to have joint birthday parties this year. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it wasn't my idea of joining the part my birthday this year, but mm-hmm. I loved it. Because my two friends, our birthdays are in sequence, like, really three days. And we're like, yeah, might as well, the weekend after our birthdays, just all just have a big birthday party. all have party. a big party because we share so many of our friends. Right. And it was great. And I've actually, like, been enjoying them because you do meet some people that you haven't, like, met before. Yes. Because, so, at least it's not a party with all the same people that you've been hanging out with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Before we move on, I did want to bring up our good friend that always listens, and every time we see him, he talks to us about it. We'll call him Ned, because I don't know if he wants his... <laughs> I don't know if he wants his name Ned. out there. <laughs> I am but so I just glad wanted you to remembered. Him. I've been forgetting the past two weeks, and I wanted to, to mention it. So as he's driving in his car and listening to us, he will... Feel yes. appreciated. Um, I just love that he gives us <laughs> notes and stuff. <laughs> oh, Ned. <laughs> Good old Ned. That took me by surprise. <laughs> anyway, what do you have for Queer as Hook this week? Queer as Fuck, sorry. <laughs> we can't, well, we they, can't steal the name. They are making a new Queer as Folk. Did you know that? They are. Yeah. And they're, I noticed... That I didn't know that there was an actor in it, that he had, uh, I think it was a Netflix show, and he's a disabled person that's gay, and he has a storyline in the show, so. No, I yeah, I, from what I glimpsed, uh, it definitely tends to be more inclusive and different. Yeah, it'll be nice um, to, like, see some different stories than what they showed then, before. Then, you know, the, the, yeah, but. I did enjoy the original series. It definitely oh, I did. I loved it. Like a time capsule and a product of its time. Looking back to it, I realized, wow, everyone thought that they were going to die when they turned 30. <laughs> well, it was... It was like jo- aging out. <laughs> yes. It was the joke. That, yes. I mean, we still make it to this day that gay people, you know, once you turn 30, you're dead. <laughs> I was like, wow. No one really... cares about you. Well, if you remember one of the characters, he wanted to commit suicide because he turned 30 or something. I vaguely remember that story. I'm not sure. Anyway. Yeah. Well, or like he I... really thought his life was over. I know. It's been so many years. Yeah. But... Well, yeah. It was just because he bought into. So there was one particular. Brian. Mc... Yeah. Brian Kenny. I think that's his name. He bought into the youth culture so much Mm -hmm. that when he turned 30, he wanted to do it alone and, like, be depressed or whatever. I don't think he was trying to die. I think what the show showed is that he didn't care anymore necessarily. And so he tried erotic asphyxiation for the first time. And, like, that's – and it's it's a visual I remember, but I'm not sure if he was really trying to die or not. Oh, I can't remember. It may have been, though. It's been a while. I know. I'd have to go back and watch it. 
Um, but the actor I was talking about is Ryan O'Connell. He had a show called Special. I think it was on Netflix. That's what it was. There yes. we go. So, what else do you have for Queer as Fuck this week? Yeah, so it's been... <laughs> I mean, since we are covering queer icons, I figured, oh, wow, this past week has been full of, like, queer icons in the news. The Tony Awards happened last Sunday. Angela Lansbury received her Lifetime Achievement Award. Very much deserved. Which you did not tell me about until five <laughs> minutes before... As soon as I learned the Tonys were on, I went running over to you and was like, you Nico, did, did you know? Me <laughs> did you know it. the Tonys are tonight? And you're like, yeah, I've known for a long time. <laughs> there I was, chilling on the couch at the aforementioned venue, talking away, and Matthew just rushes into the room, telling me about the Tonys, and being butthurt about it, that I did not inform him. I wasn't butthurt at first until I learned you had not informed me to stay up to date with all of my queer things happening. I wasn't aware it was my responsibility. (laughs) We have a podcast together. I was going to get the scoop under you. (laughs) Yes, that's what it felt like. I still didn't watch it, but go ahead. Well, so Lansbury, I mean, she's, what, 96 now, I think. She uh, was absent from the show, and it was very noticeable. Oh, no. And a lot of people, there were so many articles and, like, social media. Is she okay? Let's check up on her. Make sure, because there was no video message. She's 96. She's 96, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Maybe her publicist, something could say thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Speaking about the Tonys, Michael R. Jackson, RuPaul Charles... And Jennifer Hudson won for producing uh, Strange Loop, which won for Best Musical. And it also made Jennifer Hudson the recent member of EGOT. Yeah. So she finally got her Tony. And it's, it's amazing. Just which love I love it. it. Early love it. Er, early American Idol put out so many good stars. It did. And wasn't like Simon Cowell that was like, dismissing her that she wasn't going to do anything i don't remember because i didn't watch the show much back then either i just remember a bunch of stars came from it back then the new version it nobody comes from it um and she i think because she didn't she, win she was well like she did i think she got end. kicked off yeah because she was like third or there were it was down to like three or four and she got kicked off because she had done professional work because i think she was on a gospel album Oh, that's a thing. Yeah, because you're not supposed to have done professional work in order to be on American Idol, at least back then. I don't know if that's still oh, the case. Oh, I didn't know that rule. Um, so she got kicked off because they found out she had been on a gospel album for money, so she'd gotten paid, basically. Oh, yeah. I see, I see. <laughs> well, she proved everyone wrong. Look at her now. Right. Good for you, girl. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Amazing. Continuing down the line of icons, Julie Andrews got her American Film Institute Lifetime Achievement Award, and it was lovely. I saw little snippets from the show, the Von Trapp children, who are now seniors, (laughs) showed up to (laughs) sing along. Carol Burnett was there, because if y'all have not seen on YouTube Julie Anderson, Carol Burnett collaborating, it is the funniest things Oh my gosh, I'll have to look it up. 
they have such incredible. Oh wait, no, from together. from back in the Carol Burnett days, like well, her show, they, right? No, they've done several TV specials together. Every oh, okay, like 10 I have years seen like when so. they were young. Yeah, I do yeah. remember seeing a uh, clip. So of it. funny, so silly, yes. and you can really tell they're friends and they really like each other, and. It, it's I think it's very poignant because like we're also going to be talking down the line today about another friendship from queer icons. Yeah. So it's kind of mirrors that. We also celebrated the one hundredth birthday of Judy Garland this week. So not a riot happened. Not a riot happened. Although I should have <laughs> with the news currently. Right. Ugh. And and then some news that are good and bad. Rebel Wilson came out, which was lovely, but the reason she came out is to beat the Sydney Morning Herald yeah. from outing her after they just gave her two a two-day heads up. And then the kicker is they got angry with her for taking away their story. <laughs> good for her. I mean, good, good for, for her on her. that, but... Good for her. Why are we still doing this? Absolutely. And apparently they were I mean, I, some gay writers in that publication. And they were trying to reason with outing her. And no, no. Good for her doing it somewhat in her yeah. terms. I mean, I do remember some other performing artists like or celebrities have done that in the past where they come out before they are outed. Forcibly by publications, uh, or yeah, there has been a, a few, and I think Will Young or Neil Patrick Harris, I think, did it. Yeah, too. I believe Neil Patrick Harris was one. Yeah. <laughs> what is uh, your queer as fuck? I went to Walmart yesterday to get some cheap tablecloths for an event that I'm throwing this weekend or hosting this weekend at one of our local gay campgrounds. And while I was there... Oh, that's why you wanted that. What? No. Oh, no. (laughs) I was going to give you a a way out. No. So, Walmart has joined in for having the Pride merchandise, Mm -hmm. which I had not realized before. But they had a Pride-themed pop-up canopy. Mm -hmm. And I happened by it, and I went ahead and purchased it. Yeah, I receive so. a random text message with a picture of said canopy. And it also said my husband was probably going to say no, so I needed to ask somebody that was going to say yes. And I just wrote in all caps, yes. yes. <laughs> I was like, you can blame it on me. Your your husband can be mad at me, because I know he cannot get mad at me. <laughs> but I was going to give you a way out with, you know, oh, you needed the canopy for the event you're hosting. No. Oh, okay. Well, I guess you did The events will not have canopies, like, at all. So, I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> That's my queer story. I do, but look, this is our opportunity. What do you feel about... God, we have a lot, and you're going to get mad at me for bringing this up. What do you feel about, like, corporate pride, like, selling to the gays, the corporations? I... Don't particularly enjoy when the corporation does not support the LGBT community all year round. Right. Then it feels like pandering. I, I which mean, is what Walmart. That's why I said I was a it, bad guy. It is. It I'm is sure one of Walmart the reasons I even gays. stopped going to the parade because the last three times that I did, from like something empowering and fun, it was just a parade of corporations. It is. And. 
I had enough of it. Yeah. Uh, I was I was no longer really getting emotional <laughs> over it. And it was just exhausting because yeah. like it lasted way too long, and it feels like an advertisement. It does. And in a similar fashion, have I been guilty of purchasing items that are pride themed before? Yes. I also do buy them because of aesthetic. Like if if they oh, do look good, yeah. I will purchase it. Right. But I'm still like I'm not gonna go out and buy something just because they put a rainbow on it. Right. One of the things that makes me so happy here is there's this local brand here in Atlanta called Yeah Buzzy. Mm-hmm. And anytime you go out to gay spaces, his shirts are everywhere. His clothing. I've bought several items. I'm wearing his hat right now. Oh, no, I'm not. I'm wearing a different hat. You just lied to me. Oh, no, I'm wearing his hat. <laughs> Which one do I have? It's yeah, a okay. double lie. <laughs> I'm wearing his hat right now. This has and been then... the giggliest <laughs> episode <laughs> we've recorded. And... Did we take some Delta 8? Is that... <laughs> I did not this it's morning. It's just too early in the morning for me. Mind you, it's 11.30 a.m. <laughs> yes. So I do make sure to to obviously support, support our local, our, or not, not even local, but actual gay-owned businesses. Yeah. And so I don't mind buying the random mm-hmm. item somewhere else. Yeah, the tank top that I'm wearing right now is... By a gay artist, and it's a caricature of the Golden Girls. You should have worn that on Sunday when I was wearing mine, and we had another friend wearing his Golden Girls, and we could have been Golden Girl triplets. I am so sorry, but as I did not inform you about the Tonys, you did not inform me about the <laughs> outfit you were wearing. <laughs> well, I didn't know somebody else was also going to be wearing Golden Girls. Anyway. In, in a gay Moving event. On. <laughs> We have, guys, if you enjoy listening to us giggle and babble about nothingness, please make sure to reach out to us at QueerIconsPodcast at gmail.com. Again, that's QueerIconsPodcast at gmail.com. You can also check out our Instagram under the same name, QueerIconsPodcast, and reach out to us there. We would thoroughly enjoy you giggling with us. That would be great. This week, we are covering Lily Tomlin. And she has had work my entire lifetime, so we have plenty to talk about. What is your first experience or knowledge of Lily Tomlin before you started research? My first memory of her was watching her in The Incredibly Shrinking Woman, which is maybe not one of her most famous movies, but that's the one that I first identify her. And she was funny, charismatic. And then probably getting back into my radar with Bette Midler, and, which we're going to talk about it a little bit later on. <laughs> but yeah, probably those two movies. Because she is also extremely famous for playing Miss Frizzle in The Magic School Bus. But in Are Greece, you just going to steal all my stuff? They dubbed it. <laughs> Go ahead. You didn't? Oh. <laughs> Go ahead. What do you mean? They don't, I mean, she was voiceover. It was a voice. Yeah, but it was in Greek because it's a kid show. Oh, oh, oh. So, so you were not experiencing Lily. Not Tomlin. her voice yeah, at okay, all. Like all cartoons are dubbed. Right. Because it's not. Cause... You're not in the English speaking <laughs> country. So yeah. it's understandable. They, they, don't, they don't do it with adult movies like other European countries do so, so mm-hmm. frequently. Like it is really trippy watching Friends in Italian. When I, every time that I've been to Italy, Friends was on, and it was always like in Italian or in Spanish. And I don't know. I guess Friends is very 
worldwide. I yeah. use this constantly on every TV that I've been. But anyway, yes. So what about you? I mean, like I said, she's been doing work my entire lifetime. One of the earliest things I remember being cognizant that it was her and was Big Business, which you just kind of talked about with Bette Midler. And then 9 to 5. I remember watching 9 to 5 when I was around 10 years old. And just, she's one of the best things. I mean, Dolly kind of steals the show on that one a little bit, but Lily Tomlin always has that nice acting. She can get the erraticness down a little bit. I love it. The hospital scene. Yes, that's what I'm talking about, where she's erratic. A master a, yes. <laughs> she's hilarious. Like, yes, I guess Dolly does overall... She's she's definitely more of a scene stealer when she mm-hmm. shows up because it's it's Dolly Parton and it's like this larger than life, right? Person. And she has that big bright blonde hair. Yes. It's just noticeable, yeah. But the hospital, if you have not seen Nine to Five, please rent it. Yes, or stream. I don't know if it's streaming currently, <laughs> but that hospital. It's one of the best hospital scenes I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, love it. <gasps> And then, of course, I grew up watching Magic School Bus. I mean, they showed it even in school sometimes because it's such a educational program. And what I do love about Magic School Bus is when Netflix rebooted it recently, they used Kate McKinnon, which is another lesbian. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, that was passing the torch. Yeah, it was kind of a very cute um, thing. She was also in Beverly Hillbillies as when I was a kid. Which, I do remember yeah, that. Yeah, she was hilarious in that. And then this last one, it it was so small. It was a one-season show after Reba had her show Reba. Mm-hmm. She had a show called Malibu Country. I think part of the reason it failed is it followed a very similar storyline as Reba did. So it seemed just kind of rehashing the it same thing. It wasn't like new material. Yeah. But Lily Tomlin played her mother, and she, was her, she lived with her. So she was a star of the show. And she... She was the scene stealer this time. She was the best part of that show. So if you ever want to watch Malibu Country, it's only 13 episodes. So it's easy. Mm-hmm. It's a half hour comedy. And it's worth it for Lily Tomlin alone because she is so hilarious. They live in California, obviously, with Malibu. And she smokes weed and because it's legal there. Mm-hmm. And she call, she has lollipops that are weed and or you know THC infused. And she calls them her happy lollies. It's the <laughs> best thing. And so that was just kind of just experiencing her through all that work and obviously seeing her in some interviews and things. I get a good feel for her, but she's always just been, I don't know, like a grandmother, you know, like the faraway grandmother. The faraway <laughs> grandmother. She's my lesbian grandmother. I mean, I, I mean yeah, her current age, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> she's always been the grandmother. No, because she's always been the age of what my grandmother would have been. So like, oh, true, true. Because my, I mean, my Don't grandmother you try was... and apply logic. Yeah, with me. <laughs> my grandmother. I mean, so she was probably a little younger than my grandmother, but my grandmother was only like fifty when I was born. Yeah, one of my grandmothers. Mm-hmm. No, I get it. I get what you're saying. Yeah. Yes. Now, Lily Tomlin was born on September 1st, 1939, in Detroit. Her parents were Southern Baptists from Kentucky, and she does have a younger brother. Now, even though she didn't grow up wealthy, apparently she really loved her childhood. And while she was attending Wayne State University studying pre-med and biology, she auditioned for a play, which ignited a passion for the theater, and she changed her major. 
She started doing stand-up comedy in Detroit nightclubs and later moved on to New York City. Her first TV appearance was at the Merv Griffin Show in 1965, followed by the Gary Moore Show and hosting music scene. But her breakout role was on the variety show Rowan and Martin's Laugh-In in in 1969. My parents still talk about this show. I talk about the show. (laughs) You weren't even alive at the time. (laughs) I wasn't alive at the time, but... I mean, the... And I I was about to mention, that show really made uh, Goldie Hawn famous and Joanne Worley, who... Along with Lily Tomlin, were like some of like my early like comedian influences. Right, I had no idea. Um, sorry, not Lily. I knew Lily Tomlin was on the show. I did not know Goldie Hawn was on the show. Oh my god, yes, she. <laughs> it, that was her whole like early shtick of like the the silly dumb blonde. Right, a lot of the jokes revolved around around that. That she then made an entire career out of. She did. <laughs> which proves that she was not a dumb blonde whatsoever. Right. And she participated in the sketches and the gags of the show and developed her own characters, which became well known. And later she would perform them outside the show. And even up until recently, she still performed some of the characters. Now, her most famous is arguably Ernestine, a telephone operator. And she always meddles with her customers and her switchboard and just the mannerisms, the voice that she does is absolutely I amazing. Went through, yeah, I went through an entire rabbit hole of just Ernestine, Ernestine videos. Yeah. It's and easy to get. It's so hilarious. Uh, it is after a switchboard. And yes. I mean, it's kind of funny because she's kind of a rude switchboard person. And it's a very intelligent setup oh, of like new interactions with one character. Right. But there's so many people that kind of knock off an Ernestine type character when they do those fake, I see them on TikTok a lot, the fake customer service agents. Mm-hmm. It's very in the vein of Ernestine. Oh, yes. I love it. No, absolutely. No, and it, it really proves how influential she's been. Right. Then, of course, she did Edith Ann, a five-year-old girl sitting in an oversized chair. Yes. I do remember the giant <laughs> chair. I thought it was <laughs> hilarious. So hilarious. And she's always troubled by all these philosophical quandaries, and she's too young to understand life or <laughs> whatever's going on. But one, truly one of the most like, genius characters, and I love when she does Edith Ann also in interviews as well. It right. carries very well as volleying back and forth with the interviewer. <laughs> and uh, she was also one of the first female comedians to perform in male drag. She had characters like Tommy Velour, Rick, and Purvis Hawkins. And uh, she really just say about her comedy, I grew up in a time when women didn't really do comedy. You had to be homely, overweight, an old maid, all that. You had to play a stereotype because very attractive women were not supposed to be funny because it's powerful. It's a threat. We really do see how intelligent she was. And I think one of her most uh, successful parts of being a comedian was that she never assumed that her audience was dumb. No, her comedy yeah. did have an intelligence. Too. Yes. Now, in 1970, AT&T offered Tomlin $500,000 to play her character Ernestine in a commercial, but she declined, saying it would compromise her artistic integrity. <laughs> 
I love that little trivia going through my like. It is funny. I, yeah, it's interesting because I mean, why not sell out? I would take five hundred thousand dollars, but I kind of get it that you then she then can't make fun of the telephone company of sort the so largest telephone company. Yeah, and that's kind of kind the of stick. Like, yeah. yeah. Now, Tomlin met her future wife, writer Jane Wagner, in March 1971. Tomlin invited Wagner to Los Angeles to collaborate on Tomlin's upcoming comedy album. And according to her, she was immediately taken by Wagner. The couple did not have a formal coming out, as Tomlin deflected with humor any questions about her private life for many years. But she has said that if people knew about their relationship... They would usually refer to Jane as Lily's collaborator. <laughs> and in 1975, Time magazine offered her the cover if she came out, and she declined. So we really do see that she sticks to her morals, her beliefs, and like right. And I mean, just uh, I think she's always been. I I don't ever remember reading about her like personal life, even in yeah, later it years. Seems like so she I think she's just kept a, it quiet. Yeah, yeah. she's. She keeps her personal life to herself, it seems. It's not just a simple, I don't want to come out. It's more of a... Yeah, and she has said that everybody in the industry was certainly aware of my sexuality and of Jane. In interviews, I always reference Jane and talk about Jane, but they don't always write about it. Mm -hmm. She also said, I wasn't totally forthcoming. Everybody in the business knew I was gay, and certainly everybody I worked with and everything like that. Right. So it was... Not a huge secret in the industry was just not made out like general knowledge for the public. Yeah, which just I mean wasn't necessarily important, but yeah, yeah, and that's, I mean, like, you know, as the, we discussed yeah. with Rebel Wilson and the the right. necessity of outing someone. And yeah, all those I do understand the the drive for us because we are so scared because when the time when we kind of figure ourselves out is also a time when like we mentioned before you want to be accepted and you already get the inclination that you're not supposed to be this way so you mm -hmm. spend formative years of your life hiding what you are and so yes. becoming comfortable with letting people know immediately what you're sexuality is or whatever is it feels dangerous even to me to like this day you know so not quite i get the i get the the drive to stay quiet about it or mm -hmm. only allude to it instead of saying it expressly mm -hmm. so now in 1972 tomlin released this is a recording her first comedy album focusing on her character ernestine the album hit number 15 on the billboard hot 200 becoming the highest-charting album ever by a solo comedian. Love she that. earned a Grammy Award that year for Best Comedy Recording, and she was the first woman to win this award. So we can see that she's been a pioneer in the industry. Her second album, 1972's And That's the Truth, featuring her character Edith Ann, was also successful. And in 75, she released Modern Scream, a parody of movie magazines, and celebrity interviews, featuring her performing as multiple characters. In 1977, she re released Lily Tomlin on stage, which was an adaptation of her Broadway show. All these albums earn her Grammy nominations. We really see early on that the industry was not only just like accepting of her, but really rewarding her and acknowledging her and crediting right. her, which I love. Because it's a very male-oriented industry. 
So, not that she did not try hard, but at least her talent was acknowledged. Yeah, and especially she was never, or never tried to be or anything, like a sex icon, which mm-hmm. I feel like in your early career, that you almost kind of have to try to be that in order to get the attention mm-hmm. before you can get the accolades, like, once you move away from once that. So, yeah. yeah. Now, in 75, Tomlin made her film debut in Robert Altman's Nashville. She played a gospel singer and mother of deaf children. She was nominated for a Golden Globe Award for Best Supporting Actress and an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress. I've seen some, I haven't seen, unfortunately, the full movie, but I did watch some clips to research this. And, you know, she came into it with a more comedic mood. Mm-hmm. And then after seeing what the other actors were doing, she's like, oh, I am safe to actually follow what the director wants me to do in this. And she kind of became the emotional anchor in the film, yeah. which, of course, was very rewarding for her. And then she hosted that same year, SNL's sixth episode. <laughs> so we really do see that she was an early influence in the show, and Lauren Michaels, uh, who's the creator of the show, does credit her a lot for influencing him. And uh, then in 1977, Tomlin made her Broadway debut in the solo show Appearing Nightly, which she co-wrote and co-directed with Jane Wagner at the Biltmore Theater. She received a special Tony Award for this production, and it was the first ever one-woman show to play on Broadway. And we see Elaine Stritch did it years later, who we have already covered. Yes, absolutely. We do see a pattern (laughs) with with us. And in the future, when we do cover Bette Midler, which we will, (laughs) she has also received a special Tony. (laughs) Now, that same year, she starred in the comedy mystery movie The Late Show, where she won the Silver Bear for Best Actress in Berlin, and also got nominated for a BAFTA and a Golden Globe. So she is getting noticed more internationally as well. In 1980, of course, the cult classic 9 to 5 came along with Jane Fonda and Dolly Parton. They were all playing secretaries seeking revenge on their boss. Fonda was the one who approached Tomlin for the role after seeing her on Broadway. And she changed her idea for the movie, because if I remember correctly, she was one of the producers as well, around Tomlin. And she was like, if I'm making a movie about secretaries, I really want Tomlin to be in it. Now, Tomlin took a while to be convinced to join. She didn't think she was like fit for the part. And Wagner finally was the one who told her to take the role. And she even quit a week into production, thinking her performance was not good enough. Because apparently they filmed the Snow White scene with the animation first. Okay. And she was like, I was acting to invisible birds and (laughs) spoons that were not... She decided to stay. That was one of the best scenes of the movie, (laughs) though. It was was like whimsical. Yes. And it wasn't until the second week where she saw her performance again in other parts of the movie that she decided, okay, I will stay. (laughs) (laughs) Now, we have seen the musical together. We did, yes. yes. I've actually seen it twice. Before Um, the pandemic. Yeah, I I saw it before I even met my husband. And then we went together. Out to, like, Marietta or some It shit. was one of those high school productions, which we were not aware that it was a high yeah, school Yeah, I didn't production. know it was going to be a high school production. But it was, it was 
high school. It was a high school production, but at a bigger theater. It wasn't yeah, at the high school, but it was one of those performing arts high schools. Right. So those kids were really good. Yeah, <laughs> I was very impressed. Best high school production. I've yeah. ever seen. So, yeah, what I found interesting is, like I said, I saw it twice. And the first time I saw it was an adult, a fully mm-hmm. adult production in their 30s or whatever. And the acting was better in that one. It was good in both of them, but it was better. But the singing was so much better from the high school kids. The high school kids. <laughs> yes. <clears throat> I think I mean, the so only much thing that uh, it, it always takes me away was no matter the wigs and mm-hmm. the costumes and the makeup, you do still realize that it is a child. Yeah, I mean, they're pretending yeah. to be an adult. Because they're so young looking, so, even with the makeup on. Yeah, so the, uh, you have to, like, suspend your disbelief mm-hmm. on that. Be- beyond it, I was so entertained. Right. I never, I never, because I was skeptical coming in and realizing, oh, it's a high school production. Yeah. All right. I was blown away. Yeah. I really liked it. But it really just shows how good of a story it is, how the movie has become such a classic. It has. And I love that Dolly is the one that has produced this play. Yes. But her role has actually been diminished. Like the role of the Dolly role has been diminished for the lead of the other two. So it's that's what I always found interesting. Yeah, absolutely. It's. I'm glad that they are all very fond of that movie because it right. has become such a queer yeah. classic, and you know they still play homage to it and all that. Now the following year, she played three roles in science fiction comedy The Incredible Shrinking Woman, which I mentioned before. That was my first experience. Mm-hmm. She was nominated for a Saturn Award for Best Actress. And she followed that role by All of Me with Steve Martin in 84, where she was nominated for a Golden Globe. The next year, she starred in another one-woman Broadway show, The Search for Signs of Intelligent Life in the Universe, written again by Jane Wagner. The show won her an Tony Award for Best Actress in a Play and was made into a feature film in 91. And she did revive the show, on Broadway in 2000. So we really do see how it stands the test of time. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to look at that. I, mm-hmm. I did not realize that she had so many one-woman shows. I read parts of it. Mm-hmm. Very funny. Very, very good material. In 88, Tomlin and Bette Miller played two pairs of identical twins who were switched at birth in big business. And can we talk about... I feel these two actresses probably had a blast. Oh yes, in this film because it's so <laughs> it's so silly. The characters are outrageous, and I just love that they did a good job of the nature versus nurture part. Mm-hmm. So because they're each playing two different characters, yes, and they gave them different personalities, but also enough alike that you could see the pairs. Yeah, you yes. could see. Yeah, exactly. And so it's just. It was very interesting to me that, like, growing up here, you would end up kind of being this person. Growing up here, you end up being this. And even though you have very similar personality traits, like, at the core. So, yeah, I, just abs- thought, I thought it was cool. But it was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of being serious, I just They said. ate it up. They, <laughs> they were... did. It was fun. <laughs> it was fun, yes. Another movie that we highly recommend, yes. of course. That was actually one of my first experiences with Bette Midler, same, too. So, same. Okay. Absolutely. <laughs> 
In 93, Tom Lennon participated in Altman's ensemble film Shortcuts, as well as the TV docudrama and the band played on about the AIDS epidemic, which brings us back to our previous episode that it was an Aaron Spelling production. Yeah, it was an Aaron Spelling production. I brought it up. We didn't talk about it, but I brought it up last week. Mm -hmm. Now, Tom Lynn voiced Miss Frizzle in the animated television series The Magic School Bus from 94 to 97, and she won a Daytime Emmy for her performance, even though she was hesitant to do voice work initially. So... Two things about this. One, this show had these kids go into one of their classmates' digestive Yes, system. yes, I remember that episode. So How well. traumatic would it be being in that class? It was <laughs> it disturbing. Was so disturbing. <laughs> and then even get pooped out, I think. Because I remember Miss Frizzle being like, there's only one way out. Oh my gosh, it was <laughs> insane. But then the other thing is, is she tells, I've seen an interview with her talking about doing the voice for Miss Frizzle, and that her, like, nephews and grandkids and stuff mm-hmm. will sometimes watch it in front of her, and they'll be watching the TV, and then glance back at her, and then glance back at the TV. Like, they start putting it together, because yes, the voice sounds familiar. Yeah, she did say that she or really gained a lot of, like, notoriety from that role, and a lot of parents that would introduce her as Miss Frizzle to their children, but she looks nothing <laughs> she, yeah, like, like the like cartoon character. Like so the children were very confused. <laughs> right. Like, until she like, opened her mouth. Right. And uh, in 95, she was a narrator and executive producer of the HBO documentary The Celluloid Closet, which earned her a Peabody Award, which is a broadcasting award. And it is such a good documentary. It's one of the first right. documentaries that I watch about queer people in the entertainment industry. So well made. Yeah. So, so well it made. does seem that in the 90s, she started being more comfortable, I guess, where she was professionally. Because she's doing a lot more yeah. gay-themed things uh, work here. So. Yeah. Now, the following year, she starred in the ninth and 10th seasons of the sitcom Murphy Brown. And also the TV animated movie Edith Ann's Christmas, Just Say Noel. Which earned her and her writer, Jane Wagner, another Peabody Award. So I love how these two women have been They're collaborating, connected, yeah, co- connected creatively. It, it's amazing. I just love it. It was well, that's what of... they always say: is find your complement. Don't find someone who's just like you, yes. because then you're kind of competing with each other. But she found her complement. They both found Absolutely. their complement, and were able to produce all this excellent work. Mm-hmm. Now, in, she started off the two thousands by appearing in the dramatic series The West Wing for four years. And then in 2003, won the Kennedy Center's prestigious Mark Twain Prize for Humor. In 2005 and six, she starred in uh, Will and Grace. Had a recurring role as Will Truman's boss, Marco. I do remember Mm -hmm. that. I do too, yeah. Yes. That was probably my impression of Lily Tomlin as like an older persona, not from the 80s. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah, it's like my exposure to that show. And in 2006, Tom Lane collaborated with Altman again in his very last film, A Prairie Home Companion with Meryl Streep. I forgot she was in that. Mm-hmm. I watched that movie. Okay. Yes. And uh, a couple years later, she also had a recurring role in the fifth season of Desperate Housewives. Yes. That was 
something I did not know about, but I didn't watch the show. I loved Desperate Housewives. There were so many in there. The other one that always got me excited that she was on there was Julia Sugarbaker. Yes, Designing Women. Yes, what is that woman's name? It was another gay icon in her own right. But anyway, we'll move on. Yes, she was, but apparently she was... (laughs) Oh, she was conservative Conservative. Yeah. And I do remember that every time she had to deliver one of those... Are you going to tell my tidbit? Empowering speeches. (laughs) Was it your tidbit? I know this trivia, too. Yeah. It was in her contract on designing women. After the first season... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that when she did a speech, she... She had to sing a song yep. because she had a beautiful singing voice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I tell that to people all the, the time. <laughs> the glare that I got from Matthew from stealing his trivia. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my gosh. Okay, anyway. <laughs> Are we one person now? <laughs> We've meshed together. <laughs> Dixie Carter, that's her yes, name. Yes, Dixie Carter. <laughs> Now, in, in 2009, Tomlin premiered her one-woman show, Not Playing With a Full Deck, uh, in Vegas. I think that's a pretty good name for a Vegas show. Right. And in 2010, she guest starred in the third season of Damages with Glenn Close, okay. uh, and she was nominated for an Emmy. In 2012, Lily and her partner received a star on the Walk of Stars in Palm Springs, California. And uh, Tomlin has tried to protect Wagner from publicity, as she prefers to remain in the background, but still credits her frequently for writing her material since the 70s. Anything brainy that comes out of her mouth that people give her credit for, it's actually her spouse's. (laughs) I can't believe that, though, because she was in school to be a doctor, so there's no way that she is a dumb person. You know, she's pretty brainy herself, I would think. And seeing her in interviews, she's very quick-witted. Absolutely. It is a joy watching her in interviews. From even the early ones, she's she's incredible. But now with Jane Fonda, oh yes, because they've gone through the circuit for all these decades, <laughs> yes. and they're just yeah, they can say whatever they want. There is so much at ease. It's it's lovely. Now, of course, she uh, finally did get married to Wagner in twenty thirteen at a private ceremony in L A. After forty two years together. Congratulations. Impressive. Yeah. And uh, that same year, they worked uh, in a film, An Apology to Elephants, which was a documentary that explores abuse and brutal treatment of elephants. So we really do see this is very um, environmentally conscious and um, about conservation of animals. Right. And Cher just did a song about elephants recently. (laughs) So these gay icons are all about these elephants. Sometimes we really are the same person because I was about to say Cher did a song about elephants. This is a very common experience for Matthew's husband when the three of us are together. That you and I just try to spit gay icon trivia at each other? Yeah. And it just stays quiet. It's <laughs> mm-hmm. like, yeah, I'm just gonna let it, like, let them get it out of their system, and then we can move on with the conversation. <laughs> now, in in 2014, she was one of the five honorees for the annual Kennedy Center Honors, 
which is lovely. And the following year, she starred in Grandma, portraying a lesbian poet, and earned her another nomination. Oh, for I've never even heard of that. Okay. Oh, yes, it was good. In that same year, it was a new chapter of her life because along with Jane Fonda, Martin Sheen, and Sam Waterstone, they started the Netflix original series Grace and Frankie, which is about two women becoming reluctant friends after learning their husbands are leaving them to be with one another. And she has so far received four Emmy nominations for her role. What an incredible TV show. I am excited for the last season well, that is currently done. done. Yeah. yeah, I haven't seen the last season. Uh, so I, I thought I you were going to mention it here. Some good things. So Dolly shows up in the last episode. Do you bring that up later? You're giving me a look. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I didn't see it. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll talk about it later. <laughs> no, no. My opinions that I don't like. It was cute that like she came back, like she came on for it. I mean, we've been expecting Dolly. We've been waiting. For we've Dolly been waiting to show for seven years. For seven. And we seasons. finally get her in the last episode, and I did not really enjoy her part that much. Don't spoil it for me. I haven't seen it. <laughs> okay, go ahead. I wasn't gonna say what. She's like, oh all right, my anyway, God. go ahead. Well, no, I'm giving you low expectations, so then when you see it, you're like, oh, like, no, it's, it's a better, it's better than I thought it was going to be. Okay, go ahead. Now, Fonda and Tomlin, <laughs> you know, they've been best friends for so long, and uh, what I like about it is they've been arrested together mm-hmm. while participating in Fonda's environmentally focused protests. Yeah, I just love that in interviews. Of course, Fonda has been arrested several times because she's very yeah, politically she's, Yeah, she's an activist involved. from the time. And I love their interview together where they're comparing awards. Yes. yes. <laughs> where she's like, well, I have this. And Jane Fonda's like, well, I have this. And she's like, oh, well, I don't have one of those. And then Fonda's like, yeah, but you have one of these. <laughs> because, yeah, Fonda has two Oscars, I think. And right. then... Lily's been nominated once, but then Lily has two Peabody's. It, it, it's, it is funny. It's funny. It and I think funny. it was, I can't remember, I think it was the Golden Globes that where Jane Fonda asked her how many she has, and she's like, oh, I don't keep track of those. <laughs> like, I've won so many, I don't even. <laughs> oh, good old Lily Tomlin. Okay. Yes. <laughs> now, uh... <laughs> Most recently, in 2017, Tomlin won the Lifetime Achievement Award at the 23rd Annual Screen Actors Guild Ceremony, presented her by Dolly. And she did, I love this quote from it, where she goes, Don't be anxious about missing an opportunity. Behind every failure is an opportunity someone wishes they had missed. Meryl is laughing at this, and there's absolutely no time she's had a failure. (laughs) (laughs) Now, she did come back as Professor Frizzle this time in the Netflix sequel, The Magic School Bus, which continued the original series. So I, I like that 
She continues that legacy. Yeah, so it's the episodes are all the new Miss Frizzle doing whatever with the class. You know, it's very similar mm-hmm. to the first one. But then the last like three minutes of each episode is a little short of what the original Miss Frizzle is doing. Is so it? she's out exploring the world like oh, that's and lovely. new things. So like on one of them, I think she's on like an African um, safari and stuff like that. It's, it's, yeah, it's a little probably fun. rescuing elephants. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know Cher made a song? <laughs> God, okay. I don't know how I'm going to edit this episode. Go ahead. It's definitely been the episode that we've been laughing the most, but I think it's very appropriate because we're covering Lily Tomlin. Right. So, I was going through all these awards, which whether you care or not about awards, I think it is important to note she's had 25 Emmy nominations, six wins, right? five Grammys with a win, but it's like, wow, this woman has had quite a career. Right. And I'm glad that she's been acknowledged because so many women do fly under the radar, unfortunately, because mm-hmm. her industry is indeed very tough one on on women. And, uh, you know, and now really she has become one of the LGBTs communities, like truly most visible representatives, because even though she's not always comfortable playing that role of a leader but she is honest, outspoken. She's a supporter of gay rights and has really given her name to support projects and organizations, which include the Lesbian and Gay Community Center in LA, where she and her partner helped uh, create the Lily Tomlin Jane Wagner Cultural Center, which is a theater and entertainment facility for the community. So I love that, that you can still, it's one of the examples of queer icons that we cover that, you know, they can just lead their life. They right. don't have to be this big brand name. Right. To... And she, while she's like, not necessarily like an activist, meaning she's not out there protesting or whatever, you do see in her, like starting in the 90s, she really does have a, a more of a focus of doing roles that put gay people in the spotlight or, you know, or, you know, furthering the cause and in the entertainment industry more so, which is needed. So, yes, definitely. Definitely. And I, I really love this transition in her life now that she has this, I I mean, you described as more like a a grandma role, but, Uh, I, I think it it is someone that does resonate with the queer community, mm-hmm. even though she doesn't necessarily like feel that way. And I was reading one of uh, her interviews where she did say about it that I have fans that come up to me who are gay, you know, I don't try to be an example to other people. I don't take it on. I mean, if it is, it is. I want to be a good representative, but I can't say I'm a role model, you know. If I say that I'm liable to suddenly do something that's very un-role model-ish, mm-hmm. it can be a problem too. At times, if a kid would frequently come to shows and be just a little bit too involved, I used to be kind of hard on them. I'd say, I don't know anything you don't know, and you don't need to be coming here. You're not going to find any answers to anything, and I'm just an entertainer. Basically, I was oh. just saying, get a life. Don't be too focused on this, on me, or on what I do, or right. on anything like that. I think it should be demystified. We're just people, no matter what. 
I want to be more an icon to myself. If I feel okay about myself, I suppose it's all right if someone feels okay about me. And I I really did like that because you know there's a saying where you can don't don't meet your role models. Right. You'll exactly. be disappointed. And yeah. she's, you'll be disappointed. <laughs> and I think she's being very realistic about it. Yes, there is a desire by people that don't have representation when it, to latch on to representation. Yeah. But that is like such a big burden at times, the entertainers, because at the end of the day, they are just like entertainers. So I really, I really did like that. And she did say another quote where I always wondered why somebody doesn't do something about that. Then I realized I was somebody. So if you do want change, right. be that change. Yeah. Don't rely on other people. Which, especially in today's climate, I think everyone needs to take that role very, Definitely. very seriously. But yeah, what was uh, your favorite thing that we learned about Lily? Oh my gosh, I had a couple things noted down. My first, which I mentioned up there, <laughs> is I didn't realize that she was going to school kind of pre-med to be a doctor. That was kind of her life's direction. And then she stumbled upon the stage and never left. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I also, I knew that she had some comedy albums. I didn't realize how big of a hit they were. I didn't realize that they mm-hmm. broke the Billboard Top 200. Yeah, I like, listened to a so couple well. of them. Uh, really funny. Really yeah. Funny stuff. And then I just kind of love that she was on Laughing, which was a sketch show, and then went on to be one of the first hosts of SNL, yeah. kind of passing the torch to a new like show. I yeah. just kind of liked that. No, absolutely. I think my favorite thing... Um, was walking out of the Dick Cavett show in <laughs> 72 when the actor Chad Everett referred to his wife as the most beautiful animal he owned. Oh, God. You I get, missed that you, up there. You, I missed that you had covered that. Okay. YouTube that video. It is... <laughs> I was, I mean, most of the time they, they always, because they have to sensationalize things. They say, yeah. oh, she just like stormed off. No. She was so collected. She's like, you own? She stood up from that chair and walked away. And it was so awkward yeah. for everyone else. Uh, of course. And and of course, because the, the audience was in it with her. Like, it was an uncomfortable, awkward joke to right. make. And then he wanted her to come back because he, he was so embarrassed. And, but she was serious. She did not come back. Good. <laughs> And I love that. I I love that. And that's one of the hardest things to do. Stand your ground in it a situation like so that. It shows so much integrity that we've to... seen has followed throughout yeah. her career. So I guess this is truly, that was my favorite thing. Yeah. Because it, it is just an example of her integrity. Right. And support for like other women. Yeah. So what is what, what makes her resonate with the queer community? It is someone that makes us laugh. It is a person that is one of us mm-hmm. that we see that they've had a lot of success that can really show us it can be done. Yeah. Hard work and talent. Sure. A little bit of luck. Also having a complimentary partner mm-hmm. to support you and you support them and you both like flourish together yeah. um, through a challenging industry that you're in. And uh, yeah. Now, just having that role 
of sage advice, which is usually, you know, like humorous and... Oh, yeah. She always does it with a smile and a laugh and brings it back to humor. But yeah, yeah, I mean, I agree. I just think another incident, it's something that I didn't put together until now we're covering her and I'm seeing it all together at once where she has made herself much more visibly on the the gay front. And so I always got that impression from her even before she came out, but I guess that's the reason why. And I just didn't realize that yeah. because there were so many, there were a couple years between each thing. And so I just like wasn't putting together, but yeah. No, no. Absolutely. And I think that's kind of why she resonates and that haircut. The haircut? You know, she, she said that for a couple of years she had the clute haircut that Jane Fonda did. Oh, yeah? Yes. <laughs> I don't remember I don't remember her with that short of hair, but I remember it's always been it's kind like of that the, shoulder length, and yeah. it's always been a little choppy, which you know the lesbians love. <laughs> I did know that was a thing. <laughs> I don't, I'm probably going to get in trouble with lesbians after that. This is a joke. We're going to be getting some phone calls. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll actually get an email. Then I'll just say sensational stuff every week. (laughs) Thank you for listening, everyone. This is uh, the end of the show. I hope you uh, all loved Lily Tomlin. And you're going to go watch her movies, her shows. Interviews. Interviews. And and tune in next week where we cover gay symbols. Gay symbols. Yeah. Yes, that is next week. And we will conclude our Pride Month. With, no, I was going to conclude with a quote. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Jumping the gun. (laughs) Okay, go ahead. (laughs) Lord. I really don't know how I'm going to edit this. Go ahead. (laughs) Instead of working for the survival of the fittest, we should be working for the survival of the wittiest. Then we can all die laughing. (laughs) 